plan to fail so you won't. Production will solve all your problems. Some will, some won't. Stop whining, so what? Just hit your weekly production goal. The weekend starts now. All right. Good morning. Welcome. We have Adam on the podcast today, One and Done Podcast. And um, we are at the CrossFit gym. We just got done with a workout. It's Saturday. Uh, what time did you get up this morning? I got up at 5.30 this morning. That's that's awesome. Good for you. What did you have for breakfast? I had oatmeal at first, and then later, Father Jarrett and I had a meeting, and one of the people that came brought along a casserole with eggs, sausage, and it was, it was delicious. Did how did you feel during the workout with the food and stuff? A lot of people like come to the workout and they're like, I didn't eat anything. I didn't want, I don't want to throw it up or something like that. Did it affect you? Are you cool? It didn't affect me too bad. Towards the end, I started to bother me a little bit. For the most part, I like having something in my stomach when I work out so I don't feel empty and drained by the end of it. Okay. How old are you? I'm 20. All right. And where are you from? Hanover, Kansas, a small town of 600 north of Manhattan by like an hour. It's like 10 minutes, 10 miles from the Nebraska border. Okay. And just for folks listening, uh, Manhattan's probably about what, three hours from Hayes? Yeah. Give or take a little bit. Straight east on yeah. I-70. Almost. And Hanover would probably be closer to what, three and a half, four hours from Hayes? Three and a half probably. Yeah. All right. So what brings you to Hayes? So I'm a seminarian studying to be a Catholic priest for the Diocese of Salina. And every single summer between school years, they give us assignments where they're like, okay, this is what you're going to be doing this summer. So part of mine this summer was for the month of July is spending the month with Father Jarrett at St. Nicholas and Myra Parish. So I've just been following him around, helping serve at mass, uh, kind of just seeing what a priest does on a day-to-day basis. And that's why I've been in Hayes. For the last that's cool. Time. So I'm I'm super impressed with you and what you've been doing here. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of that stuff later on, but um, I wanted to ask about where you came from. Um, what was your family like? How where did you grow up? What was that impact on you? My family was definitely really formative for me, uh, especially since I grew up on a farm. So. For the first seven years of my life, like my best friends were my siblings, and that's who I spent the most time with. So definitely my family had a huge role in informing me into who I am today. And then so just like helping out with chores, kind of learning what the value of hard work is, and also learning that when you're with a group of people, whether it's close friends or family, that you don't need a whole lot to be entertained, just like go grab a football, play catch for a while, just kind of those sort of things. And, of course, there are times we argued, like my older brother and I would get upset over games sometimes, but it was a good time, and just now we're really close as a family because of that. And another part of that, my family and how they formed me was just uh, our faith was really important to us. Like every single Sunday was like Mass Day and spend time with family, which is really special. And then being from a small town as well, just like learning to care about those around you because – you know pretty much everyone. So it's a really special dynamic there where, and I've seen that a little bit in Hayes even, where it's 10 times as big. It's way bigger than ha- Hanover, but still just like it's a very family-oriented place where people care about each other even if they don't know each other super well. Um, how many siblings do you have? 
I have seven siblings. Wow. Okay. So. And where are you in the mix? I'm the third oldest. Okay. Brothers, sisters. I have three brothers and four sisters, and we actually alternate all the way through. Brothers, okay. boy, girl, boy, girl, all the way through. Very consistent. So, yeah. Awesome. I don't know how my parents plan that, but it works out. <laughs> Good Lord had something to do with that. Um, and your, did your parents just farm or any other jobs, anything like that? Um, my dad was, he never really said what his official title was because he didn't really have one, but it was like a safety manager for the railroad. Okay. So he would do that during the days, and then he would come home at night and help out with farming. My mom was a teacher, but then once I was born, I think, or maybe it was my older sister, she decided that it, she would prefer to stay at home with us, and she was a stay-at-home mom after that. So we got to spend a lot of time with mom growing up. That's awesome. And what did you guys farm? Was it cows? Was it uh, everything? It was a Crops? It, we weren't super big farmers, but we did have cows. We did have uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, It's kind of both animals and crops. So sure. Lots of hard work. That, that never ends, right? Absolutely. And there are times that when I was growing up where I was like, oh, we have to go and do this. But now those few times that I am at home, it's kind of refreshing to go out and spend some time working with animals or just helping out around the farm a little bit. So I've enjoyed that. Very cool. When, um, when did you feel the call in your life and, and what, what was that like? I first started to hear the call when I was going into my junior year of high school. So I, even though, like I said earlier, my family was very involved with the faith. It wasn't something that I necessarily cared a whole bunch about. It was more of just like, Oh, it's Sunday. We're going to mass. It's evening. We're going to say a prayer as a family, that sort of thing. But then I went on a mission trip that summer and then just kind of realized that people had a different joy that I had never experienced with my best friends or anything. And I realized that part of that was just like the relationship with Christ and how important that was to them. So I started to like try to actually own my faith for myself instead of just making it a habit, that sort of thing. And then a while later we were in this like youth group situation and one of the leaders had asked us like all it was set up guys and girls. And one of the leaders had asked, um, are any of you guys discerning the priesthood? And none of us were at all, but they just said like, be willing to ask God what he wants you to do with your life. And we had adoration where we spent the, an hour in prayer the next night. And they're like, okay, like just go and share what you feel with um, Christ right now. And I did that, and I heard the word father, which for me means a Catholic priest. I called my dad dad and mm-hmm. everything. And But even though I heard that and I kind of knew what that meant, it wasn't something that I wanted to do because I had a very limited idea of what the priesthood was. I wanted to get married, all these sort of things. So I kind of just tried to ignore it for a while. And it wasn't until I got to college that I really started to realize that if this is what God wants me to do, what his calling is, then that's what's going to bring me the most peace and joy in this life is actually saying yes to what he wants me to do. And that was when I decided to enter seminary at that point. Very cool. So your your junior year, you're probably, what, 16, 17 years old? 17, yeah. Okay. Where was the mission trip at? It was actually in Stockton, Kansas. Hey, all right. Which is right in the area, yeah. Um, It's Prayer in Action, which is a local mission trip where you just, like, go to a community and help paint houses for those who are elderly or not as well off so they can't do things as as well. And it's just, like, you go during the days, you paint, you do yard work, then you come back at night, just, like, have some free time, some fun activities, and then you end the night with, like, prayer and 
some talks from the leaders and that sort of thing. So. Have you ever, <coughs> excuse me, have you ever had any other event or experience like that that has changed your heart or, or made you react in a way like that? Or is that the only experience? I would say that's the most dramatic one just mm-hmm. because of kind of the switch of how dramatic it was, where it's kind of like the faith wasn't important to me at all. But then going out of it, I was like, this is what I need to look at and kind of grow in. But there have been um, other events like this uh, Focus Fellowship of Catholic University students. Uh, they have a conference every winter where you like go and it's a whole bunch of college students and other people for like four or five days where it's just like everyone's together, um, speakers come in and that sort of thing. And that has really helped me grow in like my desire to love others and serve them more willingly and look for ways to grow in that relationship instead of just kind of focusing on what I can do better and focus more on what do other people need, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, service is uh, an underused word or ha, um, what am I getting at here? The um, Something that has impressed me about you, and you've been here, what, three weeks with us or so? And I've had the honor of interacting with you a lot in those three weeks, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure there's, you. like I said, three weeks is not very long, um, but I've got to be around you a little more than probably most people other than Father Jay and some others. Mm -hmm. But um, services, you're you're kicking ass at service. Um, I... I see you here at the gym throwing down with us, and then I run into you at the fair helping out. I know you're not getting paid. You're just out there serving and helping, and then I see you at Mass, and then I see you at Bible study, and I'm going, this, this kid's killing it. So what what are most people missing in service? Uh, how can more of us lay people and just people in general, Catholics, non-Catholics, serve each other better? Uh, part of it is just trying to be attentive to places that people do need help i mean that seems so simple but like there are ways that everybody could use a helping hand in these ways and it's maybe it's your neighbor who's doing yard work and it's hard but just like seeing a way that they're in need of help and just being like hey do you need help here and just being willing to jump in and help out because there are a lot of times where i'm serving and i'm like i don't really know exactly what i'm doing here but just like being there it opens up ways where you're if you're willing to serve there are going to be ways that open up does that make sense and then as that happens you start to see the impact that it has on other people just little simple things and just it's kind of addicting in a way just the little ways you can help others i think people a lot of times are scared of that um i might look silly or i don't know what i'm doing like you just said um and they they feel out of place but when they're done with that service and and people are thanking them. It's so awesome and so rewarding. So yeah, I wish, I wish more would, would jump on that train. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. That is just, it's an initial step that's scariest, Mm -hmm. but when you are helping someone, most people aren't going to care whether you don't know how to do something perfectly, like just being there and taking that step is going to mean a lot to them. And then, so you said you just said something. It's a perfect segue. Um, people are, are scared of taking that first step. So we're going to talk about CrossFit for a little bit. Okay. Um, a lot of people are scared to 
to take that step into a CrossFit gym, whether they've heard rumors about it being unsafe or, uh, I just don't, I, I'm not fit. I shouldn't be doing that. Um, I think father Jay said, Hey, come with me to do this thing. And what happened after that? So the first day I showed up here, well, the first day I was working here, he goes, Hey, I normally go to CrossFit at noon. Do you want to come along? It's like, running through my mind, I'm like, I've heard so many things about CrossFit, kind of like what you said, where it's super intense, going to wear you out. It's like, well, I'm not going to have anything else to do, so I'll try it out and just see what it is. Uh, so I showed up, and kind of the fear of, I have no idea what I'm going to do, kind of kicked in. Mm-hmm. But then it was really awesome. There's a really great community here where if you are new, everyone's, and Father Jared told me it's like this everywhere, where he's went for CrossFit. Just people are willing to help you and like oh this is how you should change your form a little bit and yeah the first day i was really worn out afterwards but also it's really rewarding to know like you pushed yourself Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of addicting once you get to that point (laughs) yeah yeah i remember um i think it was after your first day i asked father i said well do you think he'll be back and he's like well i don't know i'm gonna leave it up to him what 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 was up to you what did you what was your response to that um, the next day I just showed up when father was ready to leave and was like, I'm ready to go again. Uh, yeah, it was definitely something that there wasn't any pressure at all. It was just, I'm going to go. If you want to do something else, it's completely fine. But I've worked out in the past. It's been a while since I've done it consistently, but I, with the challenge, but also knowing that it's going to be rewarding, it's, it's kind of like, Oh, I'm going to keep going back. I don't know. Is there something unexpected that you've learned over just being here with us and and doing this stuff? How much of a community there is, is really strong. It's just, everyone's looking out for each other. There's not, I haven't seen a whole lot of like, Oh, I'm going to do better than you because I want to be better. It's more of like, we're going to push each other so we can both get better. And that's been really cool to see just kind of the whole group is trying to improve and like get healthier, improve, do well in their health. So that's been probably the most surprising aspect for me. That's, that's so cool to hear because I think, um, everybody expects to hear, you know, what'd you learn? Well, I got better at my squat or I got stronger or I, um, you know, I changed my diet or whatever, but to, to hear the community. And like you said that it's, it's consistent. Um, and it's a lot like the Catholic church. Um, you, you walk into church and there's the, the altar and the sacristy and the tabernacle and it's all there. And you know, the, the community is very consistent. They, they know you're Catholic They're And I, I would say that they are welcoming to non-Catholics as well. And the same goes with the CrossFit gym. Um, just the, the parallels are, are very consistent in, in the community, um, but I think it, it goes back to what you were talking about into small towns and, and things like that too. And it's just talk a, a little more about that community of con, or I should say consistent community that you enjoy from small town to CrossFit gym to Catholic church. I think it's, yeah, I think one of the great things about having a community like that is they're there for you. People are there for you in both good times and bad. So we all have bad days. There are times where like, I don't want to go work out right now. I don't want to go to church right now. Something's frustrated. Mm -hmm. But when you have that community, they're going to be there to help support you. They're going to be there. Hey, I know it's hard right now, but let's, I'm going with you. Let's do this together. But then also 
at those high moments where you're like, yes, I set a new record or wow, the faith is so awesome right now. They're there to, people are there to celebrate with you. Sure. And it's both ends of the spectrum where they're there to help you, but also to celebrate with you and kind of actually experiencing life together really creates a special bond with people where you're able to, you know, experience everything and grow together. The, um, there's a, I think I was listening to another podcast before and they said that in this book, um, they talked about the four places and in all of, um, in all of history, there were four places um, I take that back. I think it's three places um, that all societies have. So you have family place where you rely on each other as your family. You have your workplace where you rely on your work buddies. And then that third place was usually religion mm-hmm. where you rely on that community. And it's a shame our our current um, society is missing that third place. But they've said that actually CrossFit gyms are starting to fill that void for people. And I was explaining this this concept to Father Jay one time. I said, we are so blessed here because we have four. Um, this community is consistent of very Christian Catholic folks, and they, they get both. Not only do they have their, their family uh, structure, their work structure, they also have church structure. And then they get to come to the gym for more structure and and community so it's pretty special what we have here absolutely and like you said i've seen all sorts of people where i show up to mass on the weekend it's like oh i know you from crossfit and you know four pillars is able to be a little bit firmer foundation than if you just have three so yeah i love that um you you said earlier we all have our bad days do you have a, a failure that you remember in life that at the time seemed like this is, this is horrible. But later it's like, Oh, I learned something from that. I'm really glad I had that one failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the, probably the one that sticks out to me the most is it was during high school that I was football was my sport or whatever. And I tore my ACL and right during the middle of playoffs. So we, the next game, our team got absolutely slaughtered, um, by 45. And it was just kind of devastating in a way to like watch that but also miss out on all these things where kind of sports were the ways I bonded with my friends in high school and seeing that failure as a group just kind of let us all down and that sort of thing. And then with um, rehab for my knee, I kind of missed out on that for like five months or whatever, just doing rehab. So I wasn't around the rest of the guys as often, but then because of not being able to interact with them in that way, I was able to grow and like, a deeper friendship with a lot of them because we were able to focus on other things besides just sports, like, because we weren't sharing that as often anymore. So in this thing where it's like, since sports were so important to me, not being able to participate anymore, I was like, Oh, this is terrible. This year is going to be awful. It actually turned into my best year of high school because I was able to focus on other things as well. And just really get to have really solid friendships. And I was also when I was starting to grow my faith as well, so because I wasn't relying on something just football or just basketball, whatever, for happiness, I was able to create a better year than I would have had otherwise, which was awesome. What other sports did you play? Football? Basketball and track. Okay. So with Hanover being so small, pretty much if you play sports, you play all of them. Otherwise, there's not going to be a team. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I went to the Catholic high school here, and the <clears throat> excuse me, 
the public school is huge. Um, and then the, the Catholic school is, you know, and on football, you play both sides of the ball, you know, mm-hmm. offense and defense and special teams. And you're really tired and you got to go out and perform, you know, and, and then basketball. And then uh, I played baseball instead of track, but yeah, I mean, same thing year yep. round. <laughs> yep. You're never, never get any downtime, but that's all right. It makes you a little bit tougher. That's right. Uh, do you have any favorite books? That yeah. you would recommend or that you've read multiple times or anything like that? Um, I'm actually reading the Lord of the Rings series right now. Awesome. For, and that's been really good for the second time. It's it's a good fantasy, kind of a relaxing read, but then also there are little lines in there where you're just like, that is really good. <laughs> and you just like stop reading and think about it for sure. a while. Um, and then one spiritually that I read that was really good for me was The Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. Okay. And it's just like a very kind of slow-paced read that's very methodical about like why the faith is important, but then also how to live it out in a deeper way. So those are probably the two that stick out to me the most. Do you have a particular reading routine or time that works best for you? Um, I This drives me crazy. I, I like to read. I know I should read. Um, and I let a lot of other things distract me or get me away. And then like, you know, a couple of weeks go by and I'm like that book, I'm in the middle of it. I cannot get it finished. Mm-hmm. Do you got any tips for me? I've had the same struggle, but, uh, something I started doing was every single night before going to bed, like the last thing I would do was just read a page or two of the book. And that way, if I don't have, if I miss out the rest of the day and I don't really have a chance to sit down and read, I at least made some progress and that kind of keeps me motivated to keep going. And also, with some books, it's nice to take it a little bit at a time just so you can think about what it's saying and not just flying through it and that sort of thing. So, Going back to school, um, you are in seminary now. When you started going to college, right? Yes, I did. Now, was that a, a, a Christian college or were you just going to regular college like all of us regular folks? What were you majoring in? Yeah, it was a public university, actually the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. Okay. So very much state school, everything. Mm-hmm. And I was studying civil engineering, so oh, a yeah. lot of math, science, that sort of thing. And I enjoyed it. And my plan was to just go through and graduate and then think about seminary. Um, but my first year, I just kind of realized that I'm wasting time because it was so strong that I should go to seminary that while I did love I enjoyed civil engineering so much, even though there's a lot of math and hard tests and everything. But I just realized that I was wasting time if I was just going to finish before going to seminary. So. so how much more schooling do you have? Where are you at in the process of seminary and all that? All right. So I went to the University of Nebraska for one year, okay. and that counted as transfer credits for mm-hmm. seminary. So last year was my first year of seminary. I was a sophomore, so I'm going to be a junior in college or third philosophy, whatever you want to use the technical term, which pretty much means that I have seven years left. So okay. two college and then five in what's major or theological seminary. Sure. Have you ever, or have you so far, have you seen any or felt any bumps in the road where you're thinking that this may not be for me or anything like that? I mean, yeah, it's definitely, I've talked about this with other seminarians a lot is they, it almost seems like seminary is designed it's a, I've loved seminary, but there are times that it seems like it's designed to be as very difficult and trying. So especially I'm thinking in the beginning of the second semester, it was the first time I was taking actual philosophy courses for my major, which when you go from doing numbers and science to philosophy, which is very dense reading, 
it was really hard and just trying to understand stuff. So I was using like every waking moment trying to get reading in. And say they're not concrete ideas, you know, they're just mm-hmm. things, uh, beliefs, right? Rather than exactly. like the numbers prove these things, right? Exactly. Like with math, it's there's a right answer. Sure. Which philosophy, there's <laughs> never, you're not going to be able to just be like, okay, this is it, and everybody's going to agree. It's very much sure. ideas. Some you agree with, some you don't, and it kind of all comes together <laughs> at some point. Um, so, what uh, is there something that you've changed your mind about? in in the process so far that maybe you had a, a certain belief one way and then you've gone oh man i that my view has changed on something um, anything come to mind do you mean just like in general just some yeah things i've read um i've definitely come to be more um open-minded not in the sense like there isn't a truth because there is truth but just like realizing that my way isn't always the best way and it's in some situations, it's better to approach something and be like, okay, what are the arguments for and against this situation versus this is what I think, this is what I've always been heard, and this is I'm going to go and find the stuff that backs me up and not really look at the other side. So just being open, because something I've learned is the best philosophers were the ones that were willing to look at the other side and be like, okay, you have this right, this right, but this is what I disagree with. And just realizing that looking what something you disagree with is really helpful in the long run because sometimes you are wrong and other times you know what you believe better because you see what you disagree with in a more concrete way. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. Um, this is something that I had a hard time with. Um, and let me kind of clear the air a little bit. When I was probably about the same time that you felt your call, I had a Catholic priest, I was serving mass and he said, Hey, come with me. And he introduced me to the Bishop. He said, this will be your future boss. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you're going to be a priest. Right. And I'm like, um, I've thought about it, you know, at, at a Catholic school, you cannot get away with not thinking about it type of thing. But I'm like, I don't know if that's the path for me, but thanks father for introducing me to the Bishop It's mm-hmm. nice to meet you. And, um, but I, I'm a, I'm a goal setter. I'm a driven person. Um, that's what I like about CrossFit. Um, but it seems like on the career path of a priest, you, you shouldn't be focused on, um, getting promoted, you know, or like the majority of jobs out there is I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get a job. Then I'm going to try to climb that ladder or I'm going to try to beat everybody else. Um, so the, the question goes back to like contentment versus drive. If you're Mm -hmm. too content, you have no drive. If you are always driven, you're never content. Do you have that like argument in your mind at all? Yeah. There've been times I've thought about that because I'm kind of the same way where it's like, I want to do this and what's the next step, that sort of thing. Um, so I'd say instead of probably as a priest, the way that would come into play is instead of saying like, okay, this is the next step for me, you kind of, most priests are in a parish where they have like their community there. It's like, what do we want this community to do next? What is, can we get more people to join that haven't been or to get some fallen away Catholics to come back? Kind of looking at the ways that as a community you can grow instead of thinking like, oh, like if I do this the correct way, I'll be bishop someday because that is not the idea that you want to have a priest to have in mind. So I'd say it's probably more 
internal focus instead of like so like internal towards your community instead of what are the ways that I can look better in the eyes of other people does that kind of that sort of thing yeah that makes sense do you um is there a certain story or something that your family your siblings your parents would tell about you uh good or bad well (laughs) bad let's say uh (laughs) i used to be like the pickiest eater ever not only anything but i wouldn't eat like roast beef or mashed potatoes anything but there was one food that i really liked and it was beet jelly sandwiches so I don't know if you've ever heard of this, the um, Wiggles, the TV show. Uh-huh. So they have the song Fruit Salad Yummy Yummy. Well, I decided to make my own remix of that called Beet Jelly Yummy Yummy. All right. So I still get made fun of that 15 <laughs> years later. But That's awesome. That's a- if, um, if you weren't headed down this career path, do you think you would be going towards civil engineering? Or do you have any other ideas that you might want to pursue? I have thought about that, and I think that if I would, if it is, I do decide that this isn't what I'm supposed to do, I would go back into teaching now, because while I did enjoy civil engineering, I th- think I would enjoy the chance to teach in a more, or like relate to people and help them in a more personal manner instead mm-hmm. of just like civil engineers or engineers in general. They're doing things to improve the world, but they don't necessarily get to have that same one-on-one relationship or kind of personal relationship it's more of i built this to help you kind of that middle step so i've especially since i've started seminary i've started to realize that i enjoy most those times that i'm able to like just be with other people and whether i'm helping them or just spending time together and i do enjoy math still so i'd probably like math secondary math would probably be what i would go into sure the um we found with our our insurance sales and stuff like that uh teachers make really good insurance salesmen too and it it's weird my mom was a teacher my sister's a teacher uh her husband's a teacher but just those skill sets and things um whether i and at the end of the day priests are are teachers Mm -hmm. you know and so it's just a lot of that those same skill sets and those same like nurturing habits are, are valuable no matter what you're doing. And so, yeah, the, the parallels between a priest and a teacher and, and even a salesman uh, just mm-hmm. teaching people things is, is fun. It's interesting. Yeah. It's absolutely a skill that's helpful for anyone. Like pretty much whatever role you're in, you're going to have the chance to teach some people something. So it's, and whether that is in your job or somewhere else. So it is useful no matter what. All right. Um, what in this, let's see, is this your first assignment over the summer out of seminary or have you had others? Uh, last summer, it wasn't really an assignment, but I helped with totus tuus, uh-huh. which is kind of like a vocation Bible school, um, ish sort of thing. So they're like elementary kids that come in in the morning and afternoon and just you have activities, but then also you go for class and that sort of thing. And then in the evening, junior high and high school students come in and you give a few talks, have small group discussions, that sort of thing. So you go from parish, from town to town, just spending a week at a time, just interacting with them. And then at the beginning of this summer, I actually went down to Georgia to help with a mission trip, prayer in action, the same one, except now it's in Georgia. So I helped lead that as they're still growing to help that get started down there. Cool. So they've both been, every single one of my assignments so far has been phenomenal. That's met amazing people, 
it's yeah been a giant blessing for sure. That's cool. What have you learned so far this year with uh, Father Jarrett? And uh, I guess we could have a whole podcast about that, but absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people joke that I need to make sure I don't learn too much from Father Jarrett, <laughs> but uh, no, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, there have been a few things, just like realizing that sometimes all that people need is for you, someone to be there for them. There have been a few meetings that I've sat in with Father where the people just needed someone to listen to them, and that's something that we don't necessarily have a lot of in our culture because everyone's so go, go, go. So kind of sitting down and just listening to someone is really helpful. And just being present at like community events is really important. Um, something else that because most of my other summer assignments, but then also seminary are so busy, is kind of just being willing, whether it's CrossFit or whether it's at home taking a little bit of free time to read, just being willing to step back and say, I don't have any work to do. It's okay to just like sit and relax for a while. So sure. that's been helpful as well. Yeah, I think um... – it's it's a crazy thing in our society nowadays of how uh, I'm using air quotes here. Nobody can see me, but connected we are, <laughs> yeah. and how how bad people need connection. How that one, like you said earlier, that one on one talking to each other, looking somebody in the eye, just being able to relate to them, and it's sad but true how how much. And I think that's a a male characteristic, right? That we need to fix something mm-hmm. um, rather than just listen. And I don't know if you if you have any relation to that or not. Oh, absolutely. Because it's hard sometimes when people are like spilling everything, like all these troubles that they have, and you can't really do anything to just be willing to say like, okay, I'm here to listen and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But like you said, with us being so connected. There have been many times I've been in rooms with 15, 20 people, but yet no one's really connecting with each other because everyone has their phone out and kind of they're talking to other people but not having that connection that we really need as people because we've been ever since whenever people have been together in communities. So actually spending the time one-on-one to just share and whether that's troubles or whatever else, it's really important, like you were saying, to just sit there sometimes, even if it's difficult. Do you have um, goals in your in your studies or in life that you're you're actively pursuing? Um, studies are more. We do have like yearly goal, yearly goals as seminarians, just like what we want to aim for. So I'm trying to remember what mine was, but it's just. For me, it's trying not to be as much of a perfectionist with my studies this year, just because as a priest, it's not necessarily as important. No one's going to care, like, oh, you got a 3.7 GPA, not a 3.8. Like, that doesn't really matter. Um, but just being willing to actually try to learn the information instead of just doing it for the grade, that sort of thing. Um, lifelong mission, it's hard to really, like, place a goal as a potential priest because – a lot of it is like where you're going to go is just um, dependent on what the bishop says. And it's like, oh, you're going to be here. But one thing I've we've just, we've talked about this already is just if I do become a parish priest, I want to hopefully be in a parish where people will be able to say like, I feel like I'm at home and this is my community when I'm here. Whether that's a bunch of small groups, whether it's parish activities, 
just being able to go to that church and whether it's they go once a week for mass or whether they're going for a couple Bible studies slash youth groups a week, they're able to, every time they go there, it's like, this is when I can truly like grow and be who I want to be. That sort of thing. Have you had any, um, worries about that, um, location concern? And what I mean by that is I was born and raised here in Hayes. I've never lived anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I keep trying to talk my wife into moving to Texas. She's like, no, we're not going anywhere. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's like, this is home for us. I've never been anywhere else. Um, as a potential priest, they're like, you'll go where we tell you to go and you'll be happy about it. Uh, mm-hmm. does that cause any concern for you? I mean, uh, there's a little bit of concern just, but for the most part, I know that I'll be within a relatively close range within like four or five hours of home where my parents are living. So that's kind of reassuring that knowing that even if I am on the way Western part of Kansas, um, I'll be able to go home on like short vacations or that sort of thing to visit home. Then also realizing that because of the different activities that I have gotten involved with around here, I've gotten to know a decent number of people around the state. So it's not like I'm just going to get dropped somewhere and have nobody within four hours that I know. Cause as people, we kind of, it's hard if you go someplace where you don't have any connections and just kind of drop there. So having a little bit of a support, no matter what, will be really helpful. Sure. And you're part of the Salina Diocese, right? Yes. And so a lot of people don't understand how big that diocese is. Um, and I don't know, I don't know much about diocese sizes in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Kansas from the, what is it, the Colorado border um, to basically Manhattan, yep, almost, and down to I seventy is all one diocese, and there's not a lot of people in that area. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of land. There's a lot of cows in that area. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of crazy how many little towns and little churches and everything mm-hmm. that all have to be serviced. And I mean, I think that would be a I, that'd be a hard job for a bishop um, and even harder for the priests out there trying to serve all those people in those little towns and stuff like that. So absolutely. Like, especially I know there are some priests that they grew up in Hayes or something, which isn't a city, but it's a lot bigger. And then you get dropped into a town where there's 700 people and then your other towns are two or 300 people. And it's just a different lifestyle almost with how much smaller it is. But then, like you said, with the bishop, um, he's trying to visit every single one of those churches in a year. And that's a lot of travel, a lot of people to meet, but it kind of depends on the person. Some people kind of look at that as like a challenge that they, they accept and they're looking forward to it, but it does pose challenges as a diocese. This is something that I brought up with father Jay and it's, it kind of blew my mind. And I think I kind of opened his eyes. He's like, Oh, I never thought of that. But Hayes is such a, a beautiful town. If you ask me in, in that it's a, this small town, mm-hmm. 20,000 people when, when the college is in session, about 17,000 or so when it's not, um, we have four pretty big Catholic parishes, um, and not very many people. And there's basically nowhere else in our diocese that's, that's that concentrated and that, uh, faithful, I guess. And, um, I was like, you're a celebrity. And you, 
Adam's probably a celebrity because he runs around with Father Jay for three weeks. And I bet you the majority of Hayes knows who you are. Probably. Did that occur to you? I didn't think of that. But there have been a few times that I've been with Father Jarrett and it was like pop in someplace and like a restaurant. And then there's three or four people that are just like, hey, how's it going, Father? And it's like, everybody knows you. This is crazy. And yeah. definitely a different thing for Father to experience, that's for sure. Is there anything that you're actively trying to get better at right now? Yeah, um, kind of a few different things. Um, so one of them is just, this is a kind of a surface level thing, but I'm working on Spanish this summer. Awesome. So as a diocese, we're trying to have our younger priests learn Spanish so they can minister like the Hispanic community. And with a little bit more free time this summer, I'm trying to improve on that kind of that so I can actually at least hold a conversation or that sort of thing. Um, managing my free time better because growing up in the generation I did, it's like, oh, you have free time, let's just get on my phone and that sort of thing. So being able to do things like CrossFit or reading, things that actually like help you as a person like grow, whether it's physically or intellectually or just like hanging out with other people, trying to use the free time better in that way instead of just resorting to my phone and that sort of thing. Um, do you have any apps or books or recommendations on learning Spanish that you're using or is, what are you using? I am using a couple different things. There's this program called, or this app called Duolingo, mm-hmm. which is really helpful because it gives you like five minute lessons and you're able to do a couple a day. Sure. Just like slowly progress. And it's something that almost anyone can fit into their schedule. And then something else is... I can't even remember. It's a website called like News Law or something, but it has articles that are newspaper articles that are translated into Spanish. And then you can go through, there's different reading levels. So that's helpful for me to help build my vocabulary, just going through those, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, when I do go back to seminary, it'll be nice because we have a few native speakers. So they're really helpful trying to have conversation and then they'll help you whenever you don't have a mm-hmm. word. Do you pray in Spanish? <laughs> Un poco. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, so I know, like, the Our Father, the Hail, I think I know the Hail Mary, but it's still kind of limited compared to everything else. Sure. Yeah, I don't know if, have you heard of Tim Ferriss? I don't think so. He's got a massive podcast. That's actually why, one of the big reasons I got into podcasting and stuff like that. He does a really good job of ask, asking questions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but he, I think he speaks four or five different languages. And he said that's one of the first things he does when he's trying to learn a new language is get all of his prayers um, translated. And he said it just helps your fluency and, um, and I mean, you can pray a whole rosary in, in Spanish mm-hmm. and pretty soon like your mind starts working in those ways and stuff like that too. So I don't know if that's of any help. And then he said, the other thing is to get, um, like comic books in the language that you're trying to learn because Mm -hmm. there's really short, um, little snippets that they're trying to say to each other in those little squares Mm -hmm. rather than trying to read a whole paragraph that you're like totally lost in and don't understand, but you can kind of see the, um, uh, conversation style and stuff in a, in a comic mm-hmm. book, but I don't know how many like Mexican comic <laughs> books there are <laughs> like, I don't even know where you, <laughs> or from Spain or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure you could find something on Amazon. That's how you find everything nowadays. For sure. But. We, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, do you have any like morning rituals or evening before bed rituals that you, you have to do every day? Um, morning rituals is wake up breakfast and we pray morning prayer, which is 
just like a few things from the Psalms and then a short snippet from another book of the Bible. Father Jarrett and I do that every morning. Uh, I've started doing something to help me wake up in the morning where I'll do like a few push-ups and sit-ups just to get my body moving um, because that seems to help me wake up. So kind of a combination of those is probably my morning routine. And then my evening routine is kind of like I said earlier, like reading a little bit from a book right before I go to bed. And then also night prayer, which is another part where you read one of the Psalms and then just kind of recap your day of like, okay, these are the ways I sinned or the ways I, things I could have done better. And then also spending the time like, okay, this is what went well today. Like, thank you for this group of people that I had the chance to meet. Thank you for whatever. And just kind of recapping all the ways that all the blessings that I had in that day. Awesome. Do you have any quotes, sayings, mantras, anything that you keep on your mind or, or to remind you throughout the day, throughout the week? Yeah. Um, one that I really like is pray as if everything depends on God, work as if everything depends on you. It's kind of the both and trying to improve, but also knowing that God ultimately holds everything. I love it. What's uh, one to two small, easy things that people could do in the next week that uh, would have a drastic impact on their lives? I kind of said this already, but the just at the end of the day, thinking of everything that you should be thankful for in that day, because it really just it impacts you when you realize, wow, there are so many things that I don't I take for granted. So air conditioning on a day like I mean we have this nice week this week but in the 100 degree days we just take it for granted and when you start to think about all the ways to be grateful it really impacts it's impacted my life a lot do you have any um, podcast books um, resources that you want to recommend for folks or that are part of your like weekly rituals uh weekly rituals I listen to Catholic stuff you should know somewhat um repetitively. So I'd recommend that. I don't know if there's a book that I read over and over again to add, but. Okay. Do you do anything on social media where people can follow you or check you out or anything like that? I have Facebook, but I don't use it super frequently. So probably not really, but cool. All right. Anything else you want to add or tell anybody about, uh, coming up? Oh, well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Tucker, for having me. This was great. I enjoyed it a lot. Hope you had a good time. Come back and uh, do CrossFit with us uh, anytime you're in the area. That sounds awesome. Good luck in seminary, and we'll be praying for you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Stop by oneanddonetraining.com. That's the number one, A-N-D-D-O-N-E, training.com. There, you'll find our blog, media library, and ongoing training to help with your final expense career. Thanks, we'll see you there.